ESPNRadio.com presents stories of mystery and intrigue, espionage and suspense. Hear tales of ticking time bombs, mysterious crime scenes, and cloak and dagger action. This is Relic Radio Thrillers. This week on Relic Radio Thrillers, we'll hear from The Chase, series created by NBC. It aired April 1952 to June of 1953. Fifty-five episodes were produced. Our story today is Doug Burton and a Mysterious Letter, their episode from July 10th, 1952. The National Broadcasting Company invites you by transcription to join The Chase. animal world, there is the hunter and the hunted. Hound and fox, hawk and sparrow, cat and mouse. We in the topmost species have also joined the hunt. But who is to judge precisely which of us are hounds or foxes as we enter the chase? Me? I'm a writer. The name is Burton, Doug Burton. Whodunits, weird stories, creepy gimmicks, stuff like that. Never heard of me? (laughs) Well, naturally. I write like crazy, but I never sell anything. I've got the biggest collection of rejection slips in the author's league. My stuff isn't hot enough, they squawk. No excitement. Get some action into it, Burton, they keep telling me. Give it the fast one-two with a chase at the finish. Well, I gave it the fast one-two this trip, sweetie pie. But I didn't dream this one up. It happened. So help me, Hannah. It happened. It was in Havana, Paris with a Spanish accent. Oh, what a town. I fell into a fast 400 on a first-rate story in New York. It was a honey, sweetie pie. An original, with maybe a little twist here and there, I stole from Ambler and E.A. Poe. It was enough to take me down to Cuba where I figured I'd get some inspiration and new background material, but the weeks rolled by and the dough ran out and the great American whodunit didn't register. I started bumming singles from tourists and after a while I was down to quarters and then it was just cadging drinks. I finally ended up the way they said I'd end, a broken down hack and a dirty guayabera leaning across a pockmarked native gin mill bar Telling the barkeep what a great book I could have written. Hemingway. <laughs> Listen, I could have given Ernesto cards and spades. And that goes for Faulkner, too. Uno otro daquiri, amigo, see? Hmm? <clears throat> you uh, are a writer, senor? Sure, I'm a writer. And forgive the intrusion, but I could not help overhearing your conversation with the barkeep. Will you join me in a drink? Well, I, I don't mind if I do. No like it, Pedro. Uh, my name, senor, is Fernando. Mine's uh, Burton. I, I come from the States. <laughs> Obviously, senor. You are well known there as a writer? Uh, well, more or less. And uh, what do you write? 
Mystery stories. Now, don't laugh. Poe wrote them, didn't he? Masterpieces. So did de Maupassant. And I got a novel in mind that'll cop the Pulitzer. A uh, mystery novel, senor? Uh, sure. Uh, when will you write it? Well, just as soon as I get an idea. I only ask because we are both in the same profession, senor. Oh, you scribble too? I am a publisher. Uh, a book publisher? And my specialty is detective stories. Holy smoke. Senor? Uh, I, I, I mean, whoa, what a break. The two of us meeting at a bar. Hey, this might turn out to be a deal. Well, I hope so, senor. Please, uh, my card. You must come to see me when you have something to offer. Sure, sure I'll come. Uh, uh, give me a day or two, Mr. Fernando. I'll, I'll dig up a yarn. I would be delighted to hear about it, senor Burton. Oh, by the way, uh, do you have a card for me? Uh, uh, I just gave my last one away. I... Uh, but I'll give you my address. I got a room on the Malacone, uh, number 12. Numero 12. Well, uh-huh. uh, perhaps I will get in touch with you, Senor Burton. It has been a pleasure to know you. Oh, leaving already? See, si, I have an important engagement uh, with my printers. Oh. Uh, ay, caramba. Well, what's the trouble? This letter. I was to have mailed it yesterday. But like a fool, I have forgotten and carried it with me. It's too late now to mail, and I cannot deliver it in person because of my appointment. Well, you want me to do it for you, Mr. Fernando? No, 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 no. This is too important. It is a letter to one of my clients. Oh, come on. Let me have it. I'll be careful. Can you leave right now? I've got nothing else to do. You are are very obliging, senor, and I am grateful to you. The address is on the envelope. Uh, Please make certain it is delivered promptly. I'm on my way. Uh, Take a taxi, senor. Uh, A taxi? Of course. I must pay for the fare. Here. Here is $5, Senor Burton. Oh, well, that's okay. No, no, I... please, please, you must accept it. And let me thank you once again. Why not drop into my office? I should be there in perhaps one hour. We can discuss a projected story, and it is quite possible we can make a uh, tentative deal. Oh, I'll be there, Mr. Fernando. You can count on it. And I will be waiting for you, Senor, after the letter is delivered. He passed me a narrow manila envelope sealed on both ends with wax and addressed to his Senora Natasha Vashnik. Then he pushed a fiver in my hand and left the bar. I finished my drink and hit the street, but instead of hailing a cab, I, uh, I figured I might as well take the bus and eat for a couple of days on the difference. That was when I got my first hint that the errand he'd sent me on had a label marked Lousy. In Havana, a bus is called a Wawa, and it shouldn't happen to a dog. The chassis is put together with scotch tape and chewing gum, and the passengers are packed in like anchovies, breathing down each other's throats. I was jammed into the rear with a garlic-smelling boy on one side and a fat Duane on the other, while right behind me was a guy I didn't notice until I felt his fingers frisk the pocket in my pants. Hey, well, excuse me. You're looking for something, mister? It was a mistake. I assure you, the bus is so crowded. You were trying to pick my pocket. Oh, no, my friend, you're in error. I got half a mind to call a cop. I suggest, my friend, that you keep the other half on something else. He had a German accent and a thick red beard. But the most significant part of this gorilla's personality was the point of a knife he held pressed against my spine. For a second, my throat went dry. Then the bus gave a lurch, and I was thrown forward through the mob, putting three or four people between us. As the bus stopped, I jumped, and I was running up the avenue while Redbeard was still trying to push his way through the crowd. 
I figured him for a dip with an eye on my poke, but half an hour later, I knew my wallet wasn't what Redbeard had been interested in. See, si. Senora Vashnik? See, si. I got a letter for you. A letter mm-hmm. for me? How nice. Please come in. She had a Russian accent and a shape she didn't get from eating borscht. And when she smiled and showed her pretty dimples, it made me feel like warbling, Oh, Chichornia. She led me into an overfurnished living room and pointed to a table and three chairs. I sat down on one of them. She took another, while the third was occupied by a dozing Maltese cat who raised his fur and spat as soon as he laid eyes on me. Quiet, Boris. <laughs> he is not used to strangers. Senor... Burton. Doug Burton. On America? No. Mm-hmm, yeah. You say you have a letter? Uh, right here. But it was very kind of you to deliver it. You must stay and have a drink. Well, I, I, I've got an appointment. I Just one, Mr. Burton. <laughs> for the road. Da, for the road. Rum Blanco, da? Yeah, suits me fine. Boris, be quiet. You must be nice to our guest, Boris. And mind your manners. Here you are, Mr. Burton. Good health. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it was my fault. I spilled some liquor on your carpet. No matter. Drink up, Mr. Burton. <coughs> Boris. Boris, keep away from there. Boris. <coughs> I spilled the drink. The cat stretched himself, then jumped down to the floor. Before she could stop him, he was lapping at the liquor, his tongue darting in and out like a thirsty barfly. Five seconds later, he let out a whine, and his tongue stopped moving. Then his eyes glazed like two marbles. His tail started to quiver, and he slowly rolled over on his back, his legs stiff in the air, stone dead. Your cat. Boys. What was in that drink you gave me? Drink? The cat lapped it up and it finished him. But you must be mistaken. Mistaken? Look at him. That drink was poisoned, lady. You don't mind if we swap. What are you doing? You drink mine and I'll drink yours, baby. But this is ridiculous. Is it? And I am giving the orders here. You are going to finish your drink, Mr. Burton. Oh. At the point of a gun. You have your choice. The drink... Or a bullet in your stubborn head. Well, what's the big idea? Why pick on me? I never even saw you before I came here with that letter. And I will make sure, Mr. Burton, that you will never see me again. Drink, or I should. It was crazy. I deliver a letter to a dame I never met, and she tries to dose me with cyanide. Then she pulls a rod as big as a cannon and shoves it in my face. And she wasn't waiting too long for me to make up my mind, either. A glass of poison or a slug. I had my choice. You must be nuts, lady. Drink, I tell you. No? Then I should. I grabbed the letter, then kicked over the table a split second before she fired. She was on the floor, groping for the gun when I dived through an open window and tore up the street. I was still trying to figure what hit me when I I glanced up at a lamppost sign and... And so I was on Avenida Calzado, the address on Senor Fernando's card. His number was 87, and I was in front of 96. 95 was a butcher shop. 89 was a laundry. And a moment later, I saw that what should have been number 87 
was an empty lot. I stood there like an idiot looking across the open space, then pulled out the letter. But as I started to crack the sealing wax with my fingernail, I heard footsteps behind me, and I turned and met Herr Redbeard again, face to face. This is a coincidence, my friend. You think so? Imagine us meeting here on an empty street. That's a small world. May I trouble you? For what? The letter, my friend. What letter? The manila envelope you just put in your shirt. You sound anxious, Barbarossa. I am, my friend, most anxious. Anxious enough to use this knife. Uh, uh, that, that won't be necessary. I was hoping you would be reasonable. Well, you, you've been looking for it, and now you can have it. In your pussy! I nailed him on the kisser, only it wasn't solid. He staggered back, but not completely out. I saw his hand go for his pocket and the knife blade flashed, but I was on my way before he could get himself to lunge. This time I I wasn't fresh and my wind was bad, while he was only 20 yards behind me and gaining fast. As I turned the corner, I saw a double pair of glass doors under an awning on my left, and I ducked inside to find myself in a tourist dine and dance joint called the Capitolio. I went through the lobby just as he came after me through the door and reached the main patio of the restaurant. The dance floor was out in the open, jammed with tourists, and as I snaked my way along the sides, I glanced back and saw Redbeard behind me, casing the crowd. At that point, I stopped at a table, pulled an overweight dame right out of a chair, and tried to lose myself by doing a rumba through the mob. Well, I declare. Remember me? Well, you must be out of your mind, young man. Uh, the name's Doug Burton. I'm a friend of your husband's. You are? Oh, you must remember. Oh, well, I, I must say I have a very poor memory for faces. Oh, but I have it, especially a face like yours. Oh, oh, you're very flattering, <laughs> Mr. Burton. I'm sure my husband will be delighted. We just arrived in Havana this morning, and we don't know a soul. But I was worried. Oh, no, I told Orville that we'd meet someone. Uh, oh, oh, I, well... I declare. I thought it might be better if we danced on the other side. Well, you, you needn't have pulled me that way. Why are you looking around like that? Oh, now, really, Mr. Burton, I, are you quite sure we've met before? Our name is Owens. Oh, no doubt about it. Let's dance over there near the kitchen door. The kitchen door? Oh, there's Orville. He just stepped out to make a phone call. Come back to the table with me, Mr. Burton. He'll be so happy to see you. Keep dancing, lady. But my husband... Keep it... dancing and shut up. Oh. Her mouth popped open like a fish out of water, but my mind was some, something else. Old Redbeard was moving across the floor, one hand in his pocket, and his eyes glued to mine. halfway through the kitchen when she started to yell, and the confusion on the dance floor gave me a 30-second start. That was all I needed to grab a cab and direct him to my roach-ridden flat on the Malacone. As I climbed the stairs, I tried to put the thing together in my mind, but it just wouldn't make sense. The answer, I thought, must be inside the manila envelope, and I was planning on having a look just as soon as I reached my room, but... I hadn't figured on unexpected company when I opened my door. Single person. Surprised, Fernando? A little. I, 
Must confess. Why? Didn't you expect to see me alive again? Senor, I... Don't senor me, you double-crossing weasel. They tried to poison me, shoot me, and stick a knife in my liver. I've been chased from one end of Havana to the other, and now I'm finding out why. Senor, please, you... You are joking me. Stand still. I'm not armed, senor. I have no weapons. Then start <laughs> making with the answers. Uh, what would you like to know? You're no book publisher. <laughs> agreed, senor. You sent me up to that Russian dame, and she tried to kill me. Also agreed. Why? You were taking my place, senor. You see, if I had delivered the letter, she would have killed me. This was a very uncomfortable thought. So I sent you in my place, naturally. Naturally. I was warned, senor, that the bearer of that letter would be automatically liquidated. So he would be unable to ever identify the lady again. I have a great love of life, senor. And I decided to give you the honor of dying in my place. Thanks. Don't mention it, senor. And now I got a little surprise for you, sweetie pie. See? Mm-hmm. I'm going to beat your brains out with a coat hanger. Don't, don't touch me or I will call the police. That'll be just dandy. I can tell them you're a housebreaker and I set you up for the cooler just before they came. I, I, I did not break into your room, senor. The door was open. Which brings up another point. Why did you come here? Why, senor? And make the answer a good one while you still got your own teeth. I, I just wanted to call on you, senor. To... Come again? Senor, you make big mistake. <clears throat> Now, once more, and make it sound better this time. Don't hit me again. I tell you all, I, I came here to see if you had any papers. Identification, a passport, perhaps. I thought I could use it to get in the United States. Pretty sure I wouldn't show up alive, weren't you? Si, senor. Why? I told you. I knew that the man who delivered that letter would not live to talk about it. I received $500, senor. To make the delivery. You turned it over to me for a fin. What's in that letter that makes it so important? I don't know, senor. I was warned not to break the ceiling wax. Okay, let's have a look. Senor? Well? This may not be wise. You got 500 and they tried to knock me off to keep me quiet. I've written a lot of mysteries, mister, and this one takes the cake. But there's a payoff to every whodunit, and I'm getting that payoff now. He watched me like a hawk as I opened the flap and slipped out a single sheet of paper. I unfolded it, took one good look, and then stared at Fernando, too stupefied to talk. The sheet of paper I took from the envelope was completely blank. One of us must be crazy. Si, senor. Look, look at this paper. I am looking, senor. It's blank. Si, senor. You mean this envelope was worthless? Perhaps. And you got half a G to deliver it? <laughs> a joke, no? No. It is one of those things that cannot be explained. You cannot get blood out of a stone, senor. But so... you're no stone. Uh, senor! Uh, you got the answers, Fernando, and you're giving them to me. No, senor. I have no answers. I have told you all. I swear I have told you... Oh, senor. Uh. He was standing near an open window, and whoever fired must have aimed from across the street. Both bullets went right between his shoulder blades, and he was dead even before he hit the floor. I didn't dare go near the window, and I knew I'd be taking a chance if I used the door. Before I even had time to turn him over, I heard footsteps coming up the stairs, and a few seconds later, Redbeard waltzed in with the gun still in his hand. Uh, greetings. We meet once again, my friend. Uh, come in and make yourself at home. Uh, Sorry, I can't introduce you to my other guest. He's uh, indisposed. I will not stay long. 
Oh, incidentally, we've uh, we've never been formally introduced. This is not necessary. Oh, but if you're going to shoot me, you ought to do it on a friendly basis. You are a cool one, my friend. The, the name is Burton. If it'll make you feel any better, you may call me Fritz. A German? Yeah. Germans, Russians, Spaniard. <laughs> this is getting to be an international Kathy Clutch. The letter, please. The letter? Please. Well, the... Help yourself. It's on the table. The envelope is on the table, but you have the paper in your pocket. Give it to me. Come and get it, Fritzy. Must I remove it from your body? I'll, um... I'll make a deal with you. You'll make a deal with me? Mm-hmm. You're forgetting that I have the gun, my friend. Oh, oh, my memory's not what it used to be. The letter, no more talk. It's all yours, Fritzy. Here. <coughs> I found out he was a sucker for a left hook the first time I clipped him, and he fell for the same lead twice. He fired as he staggered, but his shot went wild. And as he tried to catch his balance, I clamped a wrist lock on one of his arms, twisted him around, and sent him right over my shoulder in a flying mare right through the window. By the time I reached the entrance to the building, a crowd had gathered, and the cops were on the way. With a corpse in my flat and another one under my awning, explanations would have been hard to come by, so I sidled around the jabbering group on the sidewalk, strolled up the street, then broke into a run as I turned the corner. There was still one party left alive who knew the score, and I headed in her direction. But this time, I didn't use the front door to get in. I climbed through a kitchen window in the back, then walked softly through the hall and found her pacing the floor in her overfurnished parlor, biting her nails in frustration. Hello again. You. Don't move any nearer to that desk, baby. This time I'll hold on to the artillery just to (laughs) change the plot. Very well. What now? I uh, got a proposition to make, Natasha. Da? Da. Let me in on the secret and we share and share alike. What a secret, darling? The one connected with this blank sheet of paper. There is no secret. No? You have been made the victim of a bad joke. Do I look like I'm laughing? That the paper in your hand is worthless, as you can see. It is merely a dummy. The real formula has long since been sold. What formula? You don't know? I only know I'm holding the gun, baby, and you'd better talk fast. (laughs) I have no objection to telling you whatever you want to hear, my handsome friend. Who was Fritz? Fritz, mm-hmm. the German. He was an agent, like I am. A Russian agent? I work for whoever will pay the most, my boy. And frankly, my fellow countrymen are the cheapest of the lot. Fritz was also a freelancer. And we were both after the same piece of merchandise. What about Fernando? Who is Fernando? He was the guy who was supposed to deliver that letter to you originally. Oh, yes, you took his place. He was hired to bring the letter here from Buenos Aires. He was unimportant. Mm -hmm. Now we come to the jackpot question. This blank sheet of paper. I told you, it is a dummy. You are wasting your time. I have already sold the formula to a foreign power for a handsome sum. And just what is the formula? A bomb which will make the atom bomb and even the hydrogen bomb look like toys, my friend. It was developed by a scientist who has since, shall we say, passed away. 
Hmm, so many guys seem to be doing these days. So you would be just as wise to leave and forget the whole affair. What are you looking for? I just wanted to make sure this paper was worthless before I set fire to it. Set fire to it mm, now? Mm, sure. Why bother to do that? <laughs> Maybe I'm an incipient pyromaniac. As long as the paper's useless, we get rid of it. Duh. No. Put the match out, you fool. Put it out. As the edge of the blank sheet of paper started to burn, her face turned green, and she almost scorched her fingers off trying to reach the flame. Just an inch or two was damaged by the time I doused it, and as she stood there glaring at me, livid, I noticed something else. The edge of the paper that was nearest the fire wasn't blank anymore. Well, what have we here? Now you have all the answers you require. Hey, not a bad gimmick. The paper's been chemically treated. Heat brings out the invisible ink. So? Looks as though I'm holding all the aces now, baby. But not for long. I do have an ace, my friend, with a gun in his hand who's standing right behind you. Don't turn. Take his revolver, Natasha. Da. The formula, too. Da. Now step aside. Don't shoot, Ivan. Not here. Then where? The goat field. We can leave him there. The car, Natasha. Let us get this over with. Quickly. I was cornered and I knew it, so I didn't say a word. They shoved me outside to a closed sedan and dumped me in the back while Natasha drove and he held the rod against my ribs. Fifteen minutes later, we reached an open garbage dump with nothing and no one in sight except two goats. Wait here, Natasha. Hurry, Ivan. You, Mark. This place smells like a sewer. The odor will not trouble you for very long. Uh, Can't we talk this over? Uh, There is nothing to say. We've gone far enough. Stop here. Uh, Before you pull that trigger, you might satisfy my curiosity. In regard to what? Uh, That paper in your pocket. uh, How much will you get for it? As much as the market will bear. A couple of thousand? Thousands for this? (laughs) The price will be in millions. And you've got the only copy? Duh. Here in my hand. Ivan, hurry! I'll be with you in a moment, Natasha. Just as soon as I feed our friend to the goats. Hey, don't look that hungry! I took the only chance I had left and lunged for the gun, but this trip my luck didn't hold completely. I felt the sting and heat of the slug as it passed right through my shoulder, but I managed to get one arm and a stranglehold around his throat. He, he dropped the gun in surprise as he struggled for air, and I could feel the last of my strength begin to leave when his windpipe snapped. He, he was flat on his back as I turned to face Natasha, who had left the car, and I knew I was even too weak to hold her off as she tried to tear me apart with her fingernails, but she wasn't watching me or her sidekick. She was staring at one of the goats, her stunned expression in her eyes and her jaw hanging open like a lavalier. The paper. He... He was holding it in his, his hand. Where is it? The goat. The paper had slipped from Ivan's hand as we struggled, and it had blown a few feet away across the dump. One of the goats had started to chew it, and I turned just in time to see him munch the last of it and swallow it whole. Well, that's the story, sweetie pie. 
Except for an addenda or two. The Russian recovered and they jailed him as a foreign spy along with Natasha while I holed up in my flat and worked like mad. I put the entire yarn on paper, twist for crazy twist, and sent it to New York for publication. And this is the topper, the thing that's got me nuts. My story just came back to me as usual with a rejection slip pinned to the flyleaf marked Unbelievable. In the animal world, there is the hunter and the hunted. Hound and fox, hawk and sparrow, cat and mouse. We in the topmost species have also joined the hunt. But who is to judge precisely which of us are hounds or foxes as we enter the chase? Chase was created and written for the National Broadcasting Company by Lawrence Clee. In tonight's cast were Vinton Hayworth, Jan Miner, Louis Van Ruten, and Roger DeCoven. Next week, a suspenseful story involving a song from the grave and a man who tried to escape from his conscience on The Chase. Chase was directed and transcribed by Dan Sutter. Fred Collins speaking. That's our thriller for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more from The Chase at relicradio.com alongside thousands of other old-time radio episodes, shoutcast stream, and everything else we have going on. Don't forget to donate while you're there if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows. It's how we keep coming to you every week. Visit donate.relicradio.com. Click on that donate link. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you again next Friday with another episode of Relic Radio Thrillers.